The Local Youth Worker is a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. Since 1972, RYM has sought to reach and equip youth for Christ. And this podcast seeks to reach and equip those parents and youth workers who share that same desire. For more information on our student conferences, youth leader training, or resources, visit rym.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. This is episode number 394. Um, We'll get to my interview in just a little bit. Um, If you've been tuning in over the last few weeks, we've changed things up a little bit in terms of how we structure the podcast. Uh, We've had a few episodes um, where we, we don't have multiple segments. We just have one primary segment. And that's going to be the case today on this episode. Uh, In just a little bit, I'm going to be talking to a father and son. Um, For those who tuned in to episode number 391, uh, Brian Montgomery joined us and shared uh, the story of his son, Walker, and um, discussed the sextortion trend uh, that led to uh, Walker taking his own life. Um, as strange as it is to say this about that episode, it was an encouraging episode. Although it was horrific uh, to think about the evils of this world, um, it was redemptive. The Montgomery family loves Jesus. And so elements of the gospel were heard throughout that testimony. Well, this episode today is, is related to that. Um, A year prior uh, to the events that uh, took place with the Montgomery family, um, I had a friend of mine reach out to me and say that this um, had occurred in his own family. And as uh, this more recent episode occurred uh, with the Montgomery family, I I reached back out to my friend and asked if he and his son might be willing to come on and to discuss this. And uh, they both were very willing. Um, And so we we hope today uh, this will raise awareness uh, for this trend that is taking place, uh, but also um, be be an encouragement. Um, As I talked about our our stories of grace that we have on this podcast periodically, um, what we see that God takes brokenness and works beauty through it. And so I hope you'll hear that today uh, through this interview. So for now, here's my discussion with Robert and Campbell. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thank you. Hey, John, it's good to be here. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, good to see you guys. Uh, why don't you both just tell our listeners where you're joining us from? Campbell, we can start with you. And and it's funny, you, you guys are actually together. Um, I had that question written down because typically when I have two guests, uh, they're in different places, but you guys are together, but, but go ahead, Campbell. Yeah. Um, so we, we've lived up on Signal Mountain in Chattanooga for a while. Um, I'm currently at Covenant College on Lookout Mountain. So kind of jumping over another mountain. Um, but you're coming to the mountain. Yeah. Back the, to the mountain. <laughs> back to right. <laughs> All right. And, and, Robert, yeah, be, be sure to tell us as well about See Jesus. I know our listeners might remember you. You've been on the podcast a handful of times, but but tell us a little bit about uh, yeah where you are and then uh, yeah. what you're doing with See Jesus. Yeah, we're so 
Um, I've got four kids and two in college and uh, two uh, two girls at home, both my boys. So I'm outnumbered now. I've got a wife, a female dog, and two daughters. And so, oh man, I know. Um, so uh, yeah, I've been on staff with See Jesus for about four years, uh, just taking, um, doing that, taking the person of Jesus into student ministries around the country. And yeah, it's a, it's a fun fun thing to be a part of. Yeah, no, we, we appreciate your work and want to always point people to, to see Jesus and to check out all that they're they're doing. Um, Robert and Campbell, I, I just want to thank you guys uh, for your willingness to come on today and to talk about something that's very sensitive. Um, but before we get into that, though, Campbell, why don't you just begin by telling us you know, where you grew up, uh, where you went to school, some of the hobbies, extracurriculars that you're, you're involved in during high school. Yeah. Um, so I was at public high school on Signal Mountain, um, have been since sixth grade. Um, and I did, I started track and field in eighth grade and continued doing that through senior year. And now I'm doing it in college, um, which is awesome. And I did, one year of football, um, my senior year, just thought that I'd try it, um, as my last year in high school. And it was awesome. Um, really enjoyed it. He was really, he was really good. He, he went out his senior year and won a starting position as a wide receiver, scored a couple touchdowns and it, it was a lot wow. of fun. He's like, man, I wish I'd have done this earlier. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fun to just be able to say, yeah, I think I might try football my senior year. <laughs> and then yeah that works out um so wait robert does he get athleticism from you um yeah maybe maybe okay. i played baseball and uh yeah he was like me though he didn't like getting hit in football so that's why i didn't <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know if anybody really does um some people just say that but it's you know deep down i, I don't know um, well, Campbell, tell us a, a little bit about uh, youth group. I know as we kind of were talking pre-recording, your dad, Robert, was transitioning into a new ministry. So some of that, y'all were moving churches and everything. But just talk a little bit about your youth group experience. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like I was in when we were at First Prez, our first church when we moved to Chattanooga. Um, I was in a pretty, a pretty good youth group. I developed um, three really good relationships. And I'm still in those relationships um, right now. They're still awesome friends. Um, and we kind of all went into the like high school youth group and middle school youth group together um, and had two really awesome youth leaders and interns. Um, and my older brother was part of the youth group. Um, so it was a really good community. Um, and I felt welcomed and um, all of those relationships were kind of um, ones that carried on um, to when we moved churches and were bouncing around um, and that was pretty hard but mm -hmm. I didn't find it super difficult um, but yeah I think I think that youth group um, in the past was very beneficial um went on mission trips and um i just really enjoyed it yeah 
That's awesome. And um, I know, as I said at the outset of this interview, we're, we're going to be talking about some sensitive subject matter. And, and I know being in student ministry, I've been around you know 20 years or so. Um, pornography is a consistent issue youth workers are dealing with. Uh, as we've talked about on this podcast, this is both a female issue as well as a male issue. Um, but we've definitely seen just the prevalence of that struggle take place with smartphones and, and social media. Um, and Robert, I know this is something just as fathers we, we talk about with, with our children. Um, why, why don't you maybe, Robert, just kind of lead us into some of your conversations about, about this, this struggle? Yeah, John, you and I, you know, as friends, we, you and I have talked about this quite a bit, and I think it is one of the the great evils of our day that's kind of getting a free pass. Um, and so I felt, you know, I've, being in youth ministry, you know, your uh, kids are talking about this all the time and your small groups and confessing that stuff. And so I knew that when my boys um, got to that age, middle school, high school age, that I had to have pretty transparent conversations with them. So it was a consistent conversation came on if you remember I would just yeah it was probably really uncomfortable for my boys because I, I didn't really preempt it or anything I'd just walk into the room and go all right so let's uh tell me how the struggle's going with pornography and yeah so it was it was a pretty consistent um weekly bi-weekly conversation just checking in with them uh to to just so they would know it's it's common and also not to make it this, um, just to leave it in the dark all the time, but just to have it as an open conversation. Even though I probably embarrassed the heck out of them every time I asked about it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why I laugh because dads are just great at uh, <laughs> creating awkward moments for kids. And um, But I do, I'm convinced uh, Satan loves to use that as a, tactic to keep us from talking about things and talking about sensitive matters. And it yeah, is important yeah. for us to talk about these things. Yeah, for sure. Um, Campbell, what was your, like, how that impacted you? Not, not my conversations with you, but just seeing friends struggle with it and those kind of things, how, how you were dealing with it individually. Um, yeah, I think I know all of my friends struggled with it. Um, and we would talk about it sometimes. Um, so it was kind of, it was, it felt relieving to know that other people, especially ones close to me, were also dealing with it. Um, and so it didn't feel like embarrassing or like super awkward to talk about with them because they're coming from the same background. Um, but I also think your conversations helped, even though they were awkward and um <laughs> but they help kind of keep me accountable um just to have that in the back of my head that you're thinking about me um uh, making sure that I'm doing okay with it um yeah it helps you kind of stay in the fight mm -hmm. is what you're getting at yeah that's exactly right yeah yeah for sure I, I mean it is as we were talking about just a little while ago uh shining a light on these things is important even though it feels like the last thing you want to do um it's it's vital in this discussion and as i'm saying that i'm even reminded a few weeks ago we had uh 
two documentary filmmakers on uh, talking about uh, Into the Light uh, documentary on dealing with pornography. And so I just want to point people back to that episode, but also to that resource. Um, I think it's a six-part documentary talking about the the struggle. Um, Well, Campbell, why don't you tell our listeners uh, what happened to you on the, the night of January 21st and how it's related to all of this discussion? Yeah. Um, so it wasn't actually super late that night. Um, obviously my dad was gone. Um, yeah, I was at, I was out of town Mm -hmm. at the time. My mom was downstairs. I was just in my room, um, probably watching YouTube or something. Um, and then I remember getting an Instagram message. Um, and normally I would kind of be hesitant with that because it's like, oh, this is a scam, but um, it all seemed really like normal. Like there was just this girl reaching out to me, like saying hi. Um, so we started texting like a normal conversation. I was watching for like um, weird, like spelling and kind of phrases mm-hmm. that didn't match, um, but it was all, all very kind of set. Um, so it, ended up advancing more um and I remember just being in this state of like I felt like I was taken over Mm. by Mm. sin and Mm. I just didn't think I wasn't thinking I was just doing um the common sense my head kind of left um and so I fell into that temptation and I felt um, scared and like all of the emotions afterwards because I knew it wasn't right um, so then after that um, they resent the pictures to me um, and I was like very confused and then they sent what seemed like a copy and paste message because um, it was super quick like explaining what I needed to do to kind of get out of this pickle they're like send me thousand dollars um and i won't send these pictures anywhere um and they were and then i didn't respond and i remember just sitting there and thinking like this cannot be happening Hmm. this isn't real Um, so campbell when you so when they sent the you were texting with this supposed girl. Yes. Yeah. And then responded and then kind of out of nowhere, there was this kind of shift in the conversation Mm -hmm. in a sense. And then at what point did you realize it was like, I've just totally been fallen into evil and I've fallen into the hands of an evil person who's doing something. Um, Um, When did you realize it was a scam? I think so when we we exchanged pictures um and then they even was super advanced um and I it's just mind-blowing how they can get around this but on Instagram you can send a picture um and you open it and it's like a one-time open thing um and it tells you if like a person takes a screenshot or saves it um 
so i remember like she asked or they asked to test it out um just to prove that they weren't gonna uh, do anything um so when she when we did that and they took a picture from a different phone of the phone she was or they were messaging me on um and then they sent that picture to me and that's when i realized mm. um right when i got the picture back mm. um, and that's yeah i kind of was just flooded with adrenaline and just didn't know what to do um so my first first thought was to just continue the conversation to try to um get them to change their mind about what they were they were trying to scam me um so yeah that was that was the first point of realization i'm curious how they responded i don't know that i've heard that part of this um yeah yeah you had a question well and and how long did that go on um as you're trying to to talk them out of this just yeah Mm -hmm. um yeah it was probably um 20 20 30 minutes of just back and forth um and they would respond with the exact same thing every time like you have to send me this money or i'm gonna send it to like everyone you know um and i think what really started to scare me is when he when they went into my instagram account and started screenshotting people i follow and he was saying like i'm gonna send it to all of these people if you don't send me the money um so that it's hard to remember just because i was in such a blob um of panic and stress and i didn't know had no idea what to do um and and they kept saying like you cannot if you block me or delete this message like they're gonna get sent out everywhere um so you have to send this money so the only i think yeah after that um i was like okay i'll send send you whatever i have um so then we exchanged like payment info i think it was paypal and then i sent them i think it was two hundred dollars <laughs> yeah all I... I was thankful as a high schooler yeah. you, you didn't have a a lot of <laughs> cash in your paypal account at yeah. the time um so i sent them that amount and he was like i need 800 more um or this is gonna get sent so he started sending me screenshots of him sending the picture to people i knew um, like in the direct message so then I was like okay I have to start telling people so I went and put on my story that my Instagram account got hacked um, and if you receive any message just delete it and not worry about it um, so I did that and texted the people uh, that were in the screenshot that he <clears throat> supposedly sent the picture to um, and I was just saying like, Hey, let me know if, um, you get something that looks suspicious. Um, so I did that. And then I think at that point I went out of my room to the top of my steps and asked my mom to 
to come upstairs. Um, and then I was just very panicked. Um, I remember shaking. I was cold. Um, just very, very uncomfortable and just an unimaginable amount of anxiety. Mm. Um, so I remember her coming upstairs and immediately knowing something is wrong because of the tone of my voice. Um, um, so I just told her um, what happened, just the main part of it. And then... Um, Campbell, can I just pause right there? Okay. Like the amount of courage it took for you to go to your mom with that mm -hmm. is just amazing. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that is the work of God's spirit and God's grace. Mm -hmm. It's just stunning. I mean, you're a courageous young man. That's, yeah. I think that was, yeah. 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 And echo that. I mean, just not only that, but here we are now talking about this here. Um, yeah. I want to echo that courage. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, you call your, your mom up, she comes up, she can tell, like you said, from the tone of your voice, everything, uh, that you're, you're serious. How does she react and, and just kind of talk us through some of that? Um, I remember she's, she was confused. Um, cause I couldn't get my words out. Um, I was trying to explain what happened. Um, and I was freaking out, obviously. Um, but she was very calm, which was very helpful. She was extremely calm. Um, I think she, she talked through it a little bit. Um, just saying that it was going to be okay. Like she was still confused. She didn't know what was happening. Um, obviously. Um, and then I think she called. I think you called your brother, right? I call, oh yeah. Okay. I call my brother. Um, and I just told him and we talked, talked through it. And at that point I stopped communicating with the person. Um, I think I blocked them, deleted the message, took like a few screenshots, um, of the message and all of that stuff, just in case I needed to use it for um something but yeah i think i think that was a really good idea just to get rid of it because hmm. i couldn't do anything in that moment so did did they send it to everybody else like they said they were going to do um i think i think they sent it to a few people um because i got a message from one girl who was at my school um who texted me, um, and this was just really amazing. She texted me and said that she got the message because I had reached out to her because she was one of the people I saw that he sent it to. Um, and she said she did get it, but she immediately deleted it and um, just didn't want anything to do with it. And she like apologized that it happened. <clears throat> Um, so that was very, very nice. Um, and I didn't know what to think about that because normally high schoolers aren't that caring for mm. other. Um, mm. Now that is awesome that she did that. 
Um, Robert, you were saying you weren't home. Um, how did you hear about all this? And then just kind of talk us through kind of your, your reaction. Yeah. And John, I think that, you know, this was January 21st of 2022. Um, and we had never heard of this stuff. Mm -hmm. I didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, the term sextortion hadn't even been coined yet. Um, so this is a year and a half ago, I guess, mm-hmm. um, or more. And so, yeah, I think I was, uh, you know, I was at a conference with with Paul Miller in Atlanta, and it was, I think, by the time you guys called me, um, it was really, um, you know, I, I was kind of like, okay, you've made a, you've made a big mistake, mm-hmm. like. I didn't really get the gravity of it at the moment because I didn't really know what understand, like just being an old guy, um, you know, I just didn't understand all the implications of what were going on. And then um, I can remember just talking through it a little bit with Campbell. It seemed like you had kind of your mom handled it super well. Your brother was incredibly Mm -hmm. uh, calming and encouraging um and so doing i kind of felt at peace about it and i talked paul and i spent some time in prayer in the hotel room by this time it was pretty it was about 11 o'clock and the next morning we we kind of finished the conference i came home and i can remember i had to drop a rental car off and and campbell and i'd been texting throughout the morning and then um man i just remember kind of starting to realize the weight of it as time passed a little bit and pulling into the um the rental place dropping the car off and I I don't know if you remember this but just remember sitting in the parking lot of mm-hmm. Enterprise um uh, and I got in the car and just Campbell's I mean it's just tears just started streaming down his face just a lot of yeah, I could, at that moment, I was like, okay, wow, this is super heavy. Um, and just not really. So, so man, we, we just, it was just a moment where the spirit was um, really, you know, gave words that I don't know where they came from for me to talk through it with Campbell and just a lot of just a lot of listening and crying together and praying together. And, and then I think it was probably, you know, we spent, I think we remember we spent that whole day together, just, just being together. Um, And then I think I remember at some point it hitting me, um, maybe a few days later when I was able to just go to Campbell and, and saying, man, what a, what a grace of God that this has happened early in your life and the way you've responded and the realities of, I couldn't imagine this happening when you're, you know, in your twenties or thirties and you're married and you have children and someone tempts you to fall into that. And Hmm. like, the destructive nature of all that and like Mm -hmm. here in our home 
we can, you know, the, the consequences of your actions, the older you get are much bigger. So I was just, yeah, that was, a, it was just a lot. It was a lot mm -hmm. of hard, hard, a hard season. Campbell's just had a lot of trials in his life anyway. Mm -hmm. And so this was just another part. And then last night we were talking, he was just, I was like, man, I just can't believe you're doing this. He was like, dad, this is part of my story. Mm -hmm. Um, I met I met you down at the rental place, right? Mm -hmm. And I think I remember waking up the next morning um, before that, before that, and just feeling really like I woke up and I was like, I really hope that was just a really bad dream. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of walked walked around the house and came and sat in our living room and just stared. Um, outside and I just remember feeling the presence of the evil one um, hmm. and just the realization that it had happened the night before um, was just really heavy and I remember just feeling the weight of like and I was replaying all of the things that could go wrong like when I go back to school and what people found out and um just thinking about all of those things um and that's probably the heaviest i felt satan um like in me like ever in my life mm. um, so i think going down to the rental place getting out of the house and then just letting it out on you um and talking about it was very very helpful hmm. how in the world did you go to school um monday morning i, I remember worship being mm -hmm. really really uh, beautiful i think we were both in tears and all of us and your mom included were in tears that in worship that day that sunday but how in the, how in the world did you function in, in the ability to go to school that next day um yeah, I'm not, I don't really know. Um, I think, I think our conversation about it was helpful in that um, I just had to push through it. Um, and it's something that happened in my life that I can't bottle up and never go back to school. Um, so I think that was very difficult just walking into the school and feeling like everyone was looking at me mm. and kind of was overthinking that everyone knew, um, even though not everyone did. And I think you talked to me about that. Um, so yeah, just walking around school was Can just another, it just felt like I was on the center stage with 2000 people looking at me mm. um, just all day mm. can you can you share about your friendships those guys that kind of rallied around you yeah um i think i i didn't tell them until later on um when i got more comfortable with talking about it um and i remember we were at one of them one of their houses and this is later on as in just a few days though I don't yeah, I remember it was, it was too long. next weekend. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was just 
it was three other guys um, that were close friends and I just wanted to tell them um, and ask them if they knew about it um, and none of them did which was relieving so then I could just tell them what happened um, and they were just surprised that that is something that can happen um, and they were um, apologizing that it happened and said that they would be there to back me up if anything were to go wrong um, and I told them if, to look out for it if it surfaces at the school just to kind of be like hey let's not talk about that um, we don't want to start spreading stuff um, so yeah they yeah. were they were helpful just to kind of vent to um, and spill it out some awesome friends um yeah that and not only for for you to have a loving family that's walking you through this but then to have a community of friends like that um i know that had to be in some sense i mean you, you're able to offload some of that burden to others and know that others are carrying that um with you um you know it's so interesting as we're talking about this i mean robert you were saying yeah this was a year and a half ago, almost, we, we did not know that this would be a trend that it is now. Um, again, we had Brian Montgomery on a, a few weeks ago talking about this and, and their story, his son Walker. Um, and since that aired, um, I've heard from a handful of youth workers who said, this thing has happened in my youth group. I have a student dealing with this. And so that's I'm just, I'm just thinking, Campbell, as you shared this with your friends to kind of raise awareness, that's part of why we're, we're talking about this is to raise awareness, um, but to bring hey John, hope to people as well. Go, go ahead. Yeah, amen. John, I think it just hit me when Campbell was sharing that about his friends, how um, like this incident, like when when kids go through this kind of stuff, evil likes to isolate it you know, and keep it in the dark. And I, and what just hit me was that we, we live in an age where every there, there is, I would say without exception, every boy that's alive has been exposed to pornography in some form or fashion. Um, and what just hit me was that, that Campbell's friends were not surprised that Campbell had fallen into that, into that temptation, but what they were surprised that somebody could use it in the way that those guys did against him. And so I guess what I'm, what, what's hitting me now is like, man, don't like, if, if you fall into this, you should talk to somebody about it. Cause everybody, everybody can relate. Everybody knows it's mm -hmm. not like somebody's going to go, Oh, I can't believe you actually fell into that temptation. You're so bad. Like, but that's what evil wants to do. Um, so anyway, just um, just uh, the reaction of his friends, I think, even brought comfort in the moment of going, mm -hmm. yeah, they didn't condemn him. They didn't. They weren't shocked. This is the reality of the world we live in. They were shocked by that someone would do this, mm -hmm. um, but they were behind him because they they get the struggle. They understand mm -hmm. it. Yeah, no, I think it's an important point you're bringing up, and then that's kind of where I was leading us. I mean, even as we're talking about this, that we—it's our hope that that this 
discussion does offer hope to others. And Robert, as you shared pre-recording, I mean, this could very well save someone's life um, because we know as uh, a few episodes ago talking to to Brian and sadly this led to his son Walker taking his own life um, that we know because this is a growing trend. There are others out there that are dealing with this and uh, for them to know they're not alone, for them to know that they have friends that love them, family members that love them. Um, that, that's part of why we're, we're having this conversation today and pray that the Lord would use it um, in that way. Um, yeah, and the fact that, you know, goodness, I listened to that episode and saw his interview, and I don't know that I could handle it the way Walker's dad is handling it. And the, and the beauty of, I hope that he's comforted by the beauty of, uh, that his son's story is impacting a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. Goodness, no, he, they're really sorry for his loss. Mm-hmm. No, he he is. Um, I've been able to correspond with him, and um, yeah, I, I mean, just there's encouragement and hope that uh, Walker's life is continuing to impact others. Um, Campbell, just getting back to to your story a little bit more as well. Um, why don't you maybe share a little bit about the the days, the weeks, the months after kind of going back to school, trying to kind of get back into mm-hmm. normalcy of life. And then also know there's, there's kind of a second part to this story as well that you can mm-hmm. share. I want to say it took a month just to kind of feel normal um, going to school. And I was in um, in the middle of my season for track. And I think that helped a lot just because it would keep me occupied on something other than thinking about all of it. Um, and I kind of kind of pushed myself harder at practice and in the meets. And um, I developed stronger relationships with those friends that I told. Um, and we got closer and I felt way more comfortable um which was uh, just amazing and i didn't expect to recover uh, that quickly um but i think i i saw just a new view of everything afterwards um, just the way media is used social media and pornography um and i kind of it just opened my eyes that this is really just not something that we should um yeah it's just something that we should look more carefully at um and it was kind of beforehand i just saw it as a problem that every guy struggled with and not as um like a world like issue opened my view of a lot of things Hmm. um, which was just amazing and I was more careful with um, what I was seeing and um, how I viewed people and um, so I feel like I was more at peace afterwards um, after experiencing that Um, Hmm. well and, and even talk a little bit too I mean just as you're saying that what did your relationship with social media become and, and your smartphone? I mean, how did this kind of shape some of that? 
yeah um so i deleted instagram after that happened um for a while and then i was just thinking um about how i can continue to fight the battle because it's always going to be there um and so after a little while i got instagram back and just started using it normally and felt comfortable with myself using it because I kind of set up a mental boundary that like that's never happening again um and it cannot happen again um so I wasn't scared that I would fall into temptation um and I was really certain that I couldn't just because of how traumatic the experience was um so I think allowing myself to kind of get back into social media was a good was a good idea because it created like a mental um like it built my mental structure up so that I could continue to fight like pornography and um temptations and lust um so I think I handled that um well and yeah that was yeah does instagram your only form of social media um i mean i have snapchat and tiktok but those aren't okay um i don't use them other than communication and so so how would you how would you encourage maybe a middle school or high schooler uh, who hasn't gone through that mm-hmm. um, to utilize utilize social media in a safer way? What would you say to them if they were to ask you that question? Hmm. Um, I would say to be super open about it with their parents. Hmm. Just say like, hey, I'm using Instagram or Snapchat. Um, like you can have access to it. Um, yeah, so I think getting it in someone someone else's head so it's on their mind um, because I feel like we can, I definitely hid that stuff, social media, not as just like as a whole, but the, stu- the, the certain things inside of the social media that cause temptation. Um, I just kind of hid from everywhere because I was insecure about it. And Mm -hmm. um, so I think opening it up before it even begins is, and for the parents just to be on top of controlling that, um, I think is very, very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, no, that's helpful. Um, Campbell, as I said a minute ago, there's kind of a second part to this story too. Why don't you share with our listeners what happened? Um, I don't know exactly timeline, maybe a few months after, was it a a year later or something along those lines? Yeah, it was a few months after. Um, I remember kind of, I got back to full speed um, with my mental health afterwards. And um, we had this track meet in Alabama um that was a lot of fun I got first in both of my races um my best friend got second um 
And so it was just an awesome kind of team bonding time with everyone. Um, and then that Monday, that Monday or Tuesday at school, I was sitting in my very first class, um, kind of feeling relaxed, not pressured, still kind of in the back of my head thinking about it. Um, but I remember sitting in class and one of my friends texted me and said, hey, so-and-so has the picture and he's he's sending it to people. Um, and so I just freaked out and was like, what are you talking about? Um, like, is this real? Like, are you just messing with me? Or um, so I went out of the class and called my mom. She was at home and she was confused. She was like, how did this, how is it resurfacing after a few months? Um, so I was like, you have to get me out of, out of class, out of school. Um, because he had told, my friend had texted me who had resurfaced the picture. So I knew who it was and that person was in my next class. So I remember, um, <laughs> I, I remember talking to you when we got home. Yeah. Um, she took me out of school and uh, I was just like, I don't think I could have gone to the next class without punching him in the face. Um, I was, I was going to ask, are you bigger than this guy? <laughs> I think, yeah, definitely think stronger. So. <laughs> um, yeah. Campbell's pretty cut, a uh, pretty fit dude. <laughs> Um, and John, I was out of town again, <clears throat> visiting my brother, um, who had been, you know, dealing with cancer. So there was a lot, there was a lot of stuff going on in our life. And I was visiting with him and Campbell, I literally, this is, this was a dad's reaction when Campbell called me and told me this, uh, I, I literally said, Campbell, you have my permission tomorrow morning to show up at school, to find this kid in the parking lot and beat the living beep out of him. And uh, at the, I literally said that to, to Campbell. I was like, pound his head. Um, so, and, you know, so I'm like, I'm just livid. I just remember how in my truck, driving back, um, thinking, how in the world did this happen again? And uh, and so <clears throat> I called a friend. I was like, my friend Brian that I work with. And I said, Brian, this is what I've told my son. I know it's probably not right. Please talk me off the cliff here. Like, I'm going to go to the school and find the kid and beat the crap out of him. So, yeah, Brian was great, um, helpful. Tight. So I called Campbell back. I was like, okay, don't go to school tomorrow and beat, beat the snot out of him. Um, let's talk about it. I'll be home in a couple hours. Um, so yeah. Uh, but man, it was just so like, I did, at that point, Rebecca and I realized, um, you know, before it had happened, the first incident had happened pre it would had had happened on the weekend at home. It wasn't a school issue necessarily. So we didn't deal with the school system in that. Um, but this time it became a school issue. And so we went to the principal and, um, 
kind of called a meeting with and the principal was great and we asked Campbell asked uh if both his track coach and his football coach could be in on the meeting um and those both those coaches were just phenomenal for Campbell mm -hmm. during that time um and so the school uh I think they dealt with it in some ways. I think the kid got wind uh, that you knew mm -hmm. and and didn't show up to school for, I think, probably a week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is that right? Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> and, I and, and man, John, this is like, what, a month before? Or maybe even like three weeks before Campbell's mm -hmm. senior graduation. So it's just uh, like so hard to be dealing with this at, when it's supposed to be a time of just wonderful celebration of everything and and uh yeah so that was that was just a difficult period so i think part of that you know part of it's just a one a really hard lesson learned like the stuff you put online doesn't disappear mm -hmm. um and it can resurface and the hardship of dealing with that again. Um, mm -hmm. And I couldn't, you know, imagine dealing with that a second time. If like, yeah. if you hadn't talked about it the first time, you were yeah. still holding all that in. Mm -hmm. You may have shown up with school more than just an angry fist to pound the kid, you know? So uh, how many people did this guy end up sharing this picture with? And were you just, uh, again, reliving all those thoughts and emotions of everyone's looking at me at school again? Um. So that, um, the track meet that I was at, apparently he had done that, that night, um, like Saturday night. So it wasn't during school, which was, um, a better case. Um, but I think he got it from someone who originally got, um, the picture from the first incident, um, so there was more people who it kind of surfaced to than I had thought, um, which scared me because I didn't think that that many people, that they didn't send it to that many people. Um, so, and everyone, he, I think he sent it to like a group chat or something. Um, and everyone was pretty upset at him because they were all mad that, like that's not something you do um and so yeah that was it was it just was really hard um it was just like a punch in the gut all in the span of 30 seconds um just all of those emotions came back and i started almost like ptsd or something from mm -hmm. the first instance it just felt the exact same um and i was in school and I was like, I cannot, like, there's people around me. Um, so I, yeah, so I went home and we talked about that and that was very helpful. Um, so now, I mean, fast forwarding to today, yeah, how, how are you dealing with this? Uh, your family? Um, uh, I'd love to just hear kind of how you're processing it now. Um, yeah, like we talked last night just about how part of my mistake was, is like having this, 
um, talk and kind of sending a message out to everyone else because after experiencing it, I do not want anyone else to have to deal with it because um, it's it's horrible. Um, and so I think now it is hard to talk about, um, but not as hard just because I know it can help people. Um, and it's part of my past that, um, and I was just being a teenager. Um, everyone makes dumb decisions and mine happened to be a little more serious, but, <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I'm, I've been doing good with it and just kind of have it as part of my story in my life. Um, and I'm not afraid to tell to people, um, especially if it's beneficial or like helps them understand who I am. And so, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not a huge problem now. I just want to voice it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you, you just said you, I uh, might have made some some more serious mistakes. I can guarantee you Robert and I both made some dumb mistakes as teenagers. We just did not have phones that could record it. And so but we were yeah. bl blessed to not have that. Um so just know everyone listening to this who's lived through the teenage years is nodding saying, "Yep, we were all stupid and we're we're still struggling in in many ways." So you're you're not alone in that. But Robert, just maybe talk about family as a whole, kind of after this and today, how you guys are processing this. Yeah, I mean, it, it was obviously um, we had had open conversations about about that. But I think I think for for me and my girls and um, and the boys, just just having conversations about um, honestly, John, we have more had a lot of conversations about just spiritual attacks and um, it's something we don't talk about in our circles, but Satan is, is evil and he really is seeking to devour and he's really coming after, after families who follow Jesus. And, and I, I am not overstating this. I don't think, um, but the church, um, our government, uh, every aspect of our culture is ignoring the realities of the destructive nature that pornography is dehumanizing our culture. Hmm. And, and it's getting a free pass. I mean, it's just, it, it just blows me away. So I, I was Did like, you, I'm going to interject. Would you explain what you mean by it's getting a free pass? You said that twice. I think I know what you mean, but I'd love for you to unpack that. Yeah, yeah. I I think the church is is being reactive in the sense of like we're trying to figure out how do we deal with people and counsel them through the struggle of pornography. Well, why in the heck aren't we going after the pornography industry? Like hmm. I don't know a lot. There are organizations doing that, but why are we not fighting evil and going after it? Right? We have the armor of God. Let's let's walk into battle. And my prayer has been that we could somehow destroy, totally destroy the pornography industry. Um, and I know that's a high and lofty dream. They make more money than the NFL, Major League Baseball, and um, basketball combined in yeah. a year. So, 
you're talking about billions and billions of an economic engine here, but it's destroying our culture. I guess I say it's got a free pass because we talk about what's going on with the next generation. What, you know, what's happening with this and that, like, why is our culture falling apart? And everybody comes up with all these answers, but nobody ever mentions pornography. It just gets a free pass. And, and it's, it's destroying an entire generation, if not two or three. And, and it just continues to be ignored. We're, we, we, we're trying to treat the symptoms and not going after the, the heart of it. And our, and, and the majority of the reason is, John, uh, this may be really blunt, but I think it's because 99% of men either are currently struggling with it and utilizing it, or uh, they have in their past and they don't want to bring it up again. And so it's like this shame, like the Satan is just keeping it in the, it, it's still uh, rearing its head everywhere and keeping it in the dark. Uh, Cause we're not talking about it. I mean, I've had conversations with pastors who say, well, I don't, I don't want to bring that word up in the congregation because there's little children listening. And I'm like, okay, I disagree with that. Um, but I understand that to a point, but I disagree. I just think it's a, it is the massive cultural issue of our day. And we just continue to ignore it. Hey man, I'm, I'm glad you're, you're sounding the alarm and, and I agree, uh, that kind of the free pass aspect of it, but I think there is another aspect of sometimes, we do talk about it a lot in various circles and it just becomes kind of this background noise that we're not really even thinking about the devastating nature of it. And, and I know just speaking from experience to, to youth and to families in, in youth ministry, I would get tired of talking about it and I would get weary and I would just think, you know what, everyone's kind of aware of this. Everyone knows it's out there. And I just also think that's um, a, a tactic of the evil one. He just wears us down in this discussion. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm so glad one, you're highlighting the, the spiritual, uh, aspect of this. I mean, just the, the demonic warfare that's going on, but then also, um, what a massive issue this is, uh, for future generations. It's destroying children. It's, um, destroying future marriages. Um, I mean, again, since that, um, interview aired with Brian Montgomery, I had another um, father who reached out to me, and this was uh, someone I hadn't heard from in 20 years. And he, one of his friends, um, I think daughters, had been trafficked. Um, and just talking about um, just obviously the, the devastating impact that's had on their family. And I mean, that that's just that's common. And that's an aspect of this discussion. I mean, just such a wicked evil um, that's related to the porn industry. And uh, it's just continuing to take place. Um, so I, I know we're, we're talking about very sobering aspects of this conversation, but I know we're also going to start bringing this to a close. Um, maybe just end on you know, why did the two of you agree to come on this, this podcast? Um, again, I, I was reluctant to reach out just because this is so sensitive. Um, and then shocked that both of you wanted this opportunity and we, we've kind of, you know, hit at some of this or hinted at some of this and, uh, stated some of it. Um, but maybe just 
but let's end kind of talking about that a little bit. Campbell, Robert, whoever wants to go first. Yeah, I think when when your the episode aired with um, Brian it, Montgomery, it was just like it just kind of you know it hit me. And then you and I were talking. You and I've talked about it a lot. And then um, yeah, I think just the this the realities of of what devastating consequence that had in their family's life. Um, and some people, um, lo lots of people that are going to be touched by that. And I thought when you invite us to do this, I thought, man, this could be, you know, there, there's, there are stories, um, everywhere in between that as well. The horror of, of those, of what happened to their family. And then there's families whose kids are struggling with this who haven't told anyone and they're just remaining in the dark. And then the story of, uh, of what happened with Campbell and his willingness to not keep it in the dark. So I think, you know, we're hitting there, there, there's kids on every spectrum and a myriad of reasons, um, of why it's just, you know, it's really hard. I don't understand why um, the Lord laid it on Campbell's heart uh, to come forth with that because very, very well could have ended up where Walker ended up in all this. So it just that saddens me for their family. There is no, um, there's no reason beyond God's mysterious sovereign hand uh, and all this no, has nothing to do with parenting or um, skills or any of that. I think um, I think it's just a God's God continues to raise up people that are willing to tell their stories. And ours happens to be this one. And I hope it's, you know, I hope it's uh, an encouraging uh, story for people to fight evil and uh, to crush evil. Right. To, yes. Amen. Um, go after it. Be tenacious. Don't give up. <laughs> yep. For sure. Campbell, any thoughts you want to add to any of that? Yeah. Um, I think when he reached out to me and asked if, um, I want to do this podcast, um, I was just kind of thinking, about I kind of remembered my the very first um like thought when it happened um when I was just overwhelmed with everything and my first my first thought was I need to get help um I can't like this has escalated so much to where I can't just hide it um and I think hmm. I'm just really glad that God went into my heart and said, like, you cannot put this on yourself. You need to go get it out there um, because it could have turned into something worse. Um, and I don't remember having any of those kind of thoughts um, when it happened, just because I think God was protecting me um, with those um, thoughts of hurting myself or um that kind of thing and i'm just very grateful that he 
was with me in that um and he let me fight it he didn't step in and Hmm. completely get rid of it um Hmm. that's cool so yeah i think i think my story's um just god's grace in my life with that um can um, help a lot of people and help their relationship with god and their parents and just knowing that god's always in control um whether it seem like it or not um just always always remember that he's there um yeah because i think the biggest another big thing was just having that thought in my head that like god why are you letting this happen to me um like you could have stopped it um why is why did this massive temptation come into my heart um and so i would get mad um mad at him and just be confused um and I think I realized that this was a huge turning point in my life mm. um, that just helped with a lot of different things. Um, so I want people to not make that same mistake of getting ang- angry with God, but just letting him do his thing. Um, and it works out in the end. And um, I have a strong relationship with him. Um, and there's always there's always something good that comes from um a fall in mm-hmm. in your life. So mm-hmm. yeah. thank Campbell. Yeah. That's I don't have Twitter, but that's a tweetable a Twitter, <laughs> a Twitter or whatever. So Tweet, I said yes. <laughs> good that comes from the fall in your life. That's awesome. Man. Um yeah, I mean, we've been using the the language of story, you know, throughout this this interview, and we know as Christians, uh, story resonates with us. We're created for stories. Uh, God um, told us a story to, to reveal uh, Jesus to us, and you know, so often when I think about your story, Campbell, and I think about Walker Montgomery's story, so often we can just hear the negative and the broken aspect of that story, but there's a fuller story to tell. And I'm so glad that you both came on to, to kind of recapture that narrative and to be able to say, as we've said, uh, evil doesn't win. (laughs) Um, Satan is a defeated foe and we can remind people of that even in the midst of something horrific, dark like this. Um, that there's a, another story, uh, and we can point others to that. And um, you, Campbell, have showed courage. That I mean, at a as a 19 year old, um, I'm blown away that you'd want to come on, that you'd want to talk about this. You've ministered to me uh, today as we're recording this. I know the Lord will use us to minister to others. Um, whether that's a student out there who hears this, or a youth worker, or a parent. Um, so I cannot thank you both enough uh, for taking the time coming on and sharing your story with us today. Thanks, John. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Oh, come and buy without money. Oh, come and feast without pay. For the King has opened 
Outcast and the slave.